Welcome to the Lighthouse Community Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope today's teaching will encourage you in your faith and help you develop an increasing desire to walk with God. Let's listen in. Well, hey, welcome. <laughs> glad everybody made it, including me. Uh, so, yeah, super glad everybody's here. Hey, wasn't yesterday's weather just fantastic? Wasn't that good? Yeah, hey, enjoy it because it's over, right? That is, it's done. But uh, hey, whether you're here in the house or you're at Bluffton or Fostory or Lighthouse Online, thanks for coming out today. Super glad that you guys are here. My name's Fritz Bilo. I'm one of the pastors uh, here. Uh, really glad you are here. And, and if this is your first time, you're going to pick up a theme consistently uh, in the morning, and it's that we are passionate about helping people say yes to Jesus Christ. So you're going to catch that again and again. And uh, before we dive into the teaching, I do want to say a big thank you to our Lighthouse Kids team and, and their leader, Allie Brasky. Uh, they have been working so hard to help us figure out the space issue here uh, in our building until we can make that transition from here to County Road 99. And so this morning, uh, they have basically launched three new classrooms, uh, two of them right here in the building. We've got a nursery class, we've got a preschool class, and then the big shift is that our grades one through five are now meeting at the clubhouse, and uh, they're over there this morning. They are excited. Uh, one dad, as he came in this morning, said, man, you thought I dropped my kids off at Disney World this morning. They're so excited to be over there. So uh, we're pretty jazzed about that. I think that's going to help a lot. Um, I think that just really shows how much we care about sharing the gospel and getting that out there here in Hancock County. So a uh, big thank you to them. I wonder if we can do something. Uh, they won't be able to hear us at clubhouse, but maybe through these walls. Can we give just a big thank you to our Lighthouse kids team and let them know how grateful that we are. Yeah. Awesome. Hey, let's take a moment and pray for that ministry this morning before we jump in. Father, we, we are grateful that your word tells us that um, you actually welcome uh, children. You say that, act, in fact, um, if anybody's going to enter the kingdom of heaven, they enter uh, with faith like a child uh, that is trusting, that is relying on their father. And so we pray this morning with all the changes uh, that are here, uh, we know that there's just, you know, things are different and, and we'll have to work through all those things. But we pray that this morning would be uh, wildly amazing on sharing the gospel, that even today would be a day that some kids cross the line of faith and say yes to Jesus as their forgiven leader for the very first time. And that would begin to transform uh, their, literally their eternity in their lives. And so use that team as you have been, do remarkable things in them and through them we pray in the great name of Jesus. Amen. All right. Well, hey, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of, like, I'm sure you have, but you hear, hear stories of people who have died, and then they, they come back to life, right? And so they will tell a story to say, you know, well, uh, you know, when I, when I was dead, I, I saw people that had previously passed before me. Um, others talk about traveling to different places. Uh, some even express kind of like this out-of-body experience that they have. And I wonder... Um, when you hear stories like that, what's, what's your initial reaction to those stories? Are you, are you kind of skeptical and going, eh. uh, are you a believer? You're like, oh yeah, that's, you know, or, or maybe, maybe are you somewhere in between? You're going, I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm a bit agnostic about that. I'm not entirely sure what I think about those things. But recent uh, statistics have shown that in America anyways, 
three out of four people uh, do believe in some kind of existence after death, um, whether they're Christian or they're not. And so when they were asking these people about this, they, they asked this group, hey, describe what you believe life after death would look like. Um, some people kind of described it as a consciousness that continued in another place, uh, in another realm. Some people talked about reincarnation, um, others expressed that they believed their energy was going to like re-envelop into the universe. Uh, and then some people just said, I, I think it's just peace, right? It's just peace. I imagine those are parents of toddlers, right? And they're just going, I think it's just, I just need peace. Um, but, but what I learned from this of what many people believe is that there are a lot of people who are hoping for something, and yet they don't really know what they're hoping for, and they're not really sure, right? There's very little agreement about what that something looks like. And so, and I, I think one of the reasons that this is so central is because every, every one of us deals with this, right? It's like this, it's this hurdle that every single human being has to face uh, when it comes to life, to death, when it comes to life after death. And part of that hurdle is simply the fact that we just don't, we don't really know, right? We, we, we're not entirely sure. Um, and so what we'll do, what some people do is they'll cling to hopes. Um, some people, they'll comfort each other with nice thoughts, right? Just to try to say anything that in the moment will help uh, alleviate the tension. Uh, so that's one route. The other route, some people go the whole other direction and they're like, listen, there is nothing after this life. And so you've got to soak in everything you possibly can now, uh, because once this is over, it's over and it's done. But for a lot of people, they're just not entirely sure. Right? They don't really know. And my question is this, what if, what if you could approach death not with some form of like fatalism, it's like, well, you know, whatever happens, happens, and not even with, with wishful thinking, you know, I hope, maybe, kind of, sort of, I believe hard enough, but what if instead you could face that with truth? Well, what if you could face that moment, that reality, with truth? What if you could trust a person who has actually traveled that pathway before you and traveled that pathway for you, right? Someone who's traveled it before and for you. What if your hope was actually based on truth, right? Well, uh, I want to invite you here to open up your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, or you can click over there on your device. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, that's kind of in the middle of the New Testament. We're continuing on in our series called uh, What is Real? And so far in our series, uh, some things that we've discovered are things like that the Bible is true. And it, and it can be trusted, and it's reliable. We've discovered the nature of truth, that uh, truth is a person um, more so than anything else. If you were here last week, you saw that creation uh, is constantly inviting us to know this God who exists uh, and has created us. And so today, what we're looking at the question is this. Why is Jesus' resurrection so important? Why is that so central? You Christians always make a big deal about Jesus rising on the third day. Why is that so important 
to your faith. That's, that's where we're going to be at. So uh, I'm going to read uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse 12 from the English Standard Version. You can follow along the version that you have. Uh, the verses will be on the screen behind me or uh, right below me if you're joining us online. It says this. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is is in vain and your faith is in vain. We're even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised... Your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then it is coming, those who belong to Christ. Uh, there's, three, there's a lot here. And, and there's three uh, central truths I really want to dial in on this passage this morning. Um, and the first one is this, is that Paul showed the Corinthians how to think about their faith. Okay, Paul showed the Corinthians how to think about their faith. Um, there was some theological confusion going on in Corinth. And, and, you know, these are new believers, and that's, that's common, right? New believers are new believers. They don't know what they don't know. They're still discovering. They're still learning. So that's, it's, that's common. But one of the wrong beliefs that these new believers had held was that there's no resurrection of the dead. Now, we're going to talk about what resurrection is in just a moment, but first, let's kind of walk through this, uh, what Paul did here, uh, helping them to think about their faith. Um, what Paul does is he starts with their, their one wrong thought about resurrection, saying there's, there's no resurrection of the dead, and he takes that thought and helps lead them down the path of logic to say, think about this belief that you're holding. Think about this thing that you're claiming as truth, and let's play this thing out and see where it goes. That's essentially what he does here in this passage. And so here's the pathway. He says, listen, if you believe there's no resurrection of the dead, then what that, if there's no resurrection for any dead, then that means Christ hasn't been resurrected. Why? Because Christ died, right? And so if there's no resurrection of the dead, then that means that Christ was not, what not, was not resurrected. Now think about that idea deeply, that Christ has not been resurrected. What does that mean? Because that's the next logical progression. And so Paul goes there. He says, well, if Christ has not been resurrected, then that means your faith is not real. Your faith is actually fake, right? It's illegitimate, And he says, also, uh, if that's the case, then anybody who's ever shared the gospel of Jesus Christ is a liar. And it also means that the Bible is a liar. 
And if Christ has not been raised, then that means you're still dead in your sin. You're still under God's wrath. And that also means that other people have already died that put their faith in Jesus Christ. They're, they're dead too. They're in eternal separation from God because of that. He says this. He says, if Christ has not been raised, then your fake faith does absolutely nothing for you. That if Christ has not been raised, then Christians should be looked upon with sorrow and with compassion by the rest of the world. He uses this word pitied. And what that is, he's like, it's this word means, you know how you might look upon uh, maybe a, a child in another country or here in America who's facing things like food insecurity or starvation or something like that. And you look at it and you go, and it hurts your heart. You're like, oh my goodness, this should not be happening. Somebody needs to do something, right? Paul says that's exactly how the world should look at Christians if the resurrection isn't real. What are they doing? Why do they believe this? Oh, it hurts my heart that they would put their faith in this thing. Somebody's got to help them, right? If the resurrection's not real, that's how Christianity should be viewed. And so what Paul does is he takes this one thought. It almost seems like an innocuous idea, right? No, there's no resurrection of the dead. And he plays that thing out and he says, listen, if there's no resurrection of the dead, the consequences of that are devastating. They're absolutely devastating. And so... Paul helped these disciples to think about the beliefs that they held and they, they were sharing among one another. And the other thing he's doing is he's teaching them how to hold up their beliefs in the light of Scripture. And go, how does, how does what I think and believe about God, about truth, about life, about all of this stuff, how does that line up within Scripture? That's Paul is helping this group do that, right? That's the first thing. Here's the second truth that Paul uh, helps us see in this passage. It's this. It's, it's re- he helps us understand resurrection, Let me give you a really quick definition of resurrection. Resurrection is God's miracle of new life. Resurrection is God's miracle of new life. Let's unpack that for a quick second. Resurrection, God's miracle of new life. Well, first is this. Resurrection is this supernatural work of God. It's, It's... Right, somebody who was dead, but now they're alive, but it's a little bit more than that, right? It's this miracle, and there's no other way to explain it. It, it doesn't really make sense. It simply defies our understanding of, exist, of, an exist, of our existence, right? And so, right, but isn't that what a miracle is? <laughs> I don't know how to explain this thing. It's a supernatural move of God. Uh, resurrection is the same thing, right? So resurrection, it is coming back to life, but it's more than coming back to life. It's, it's beyond that. Uh, resurrection is a new life. Resurrection is life that is now changed in its nature. There's one theologian, his name's uh, Louis Burkhoff, and he wrote this. I think this is helpful to understand resurrection. He says, resurrection is that in Christ, human nature, both body and soul, was restored to its pristine strength and perfection, and even raised to a higher level. He says that, that's how you understand the resurrection. This is human nature being perfected, being brought into pristine form, being raised to a new level than what we fully understand. And so it's new life. It's similar, but it's different. And everybody can tell. Yeah, I actually think this is one of the reasons why, if you read in the Gospels, you see after Jesus' resurrection, many of the disciples struggled to recognize him. 
right? He had some that literally walked with him down the road, and they're having conversation with him, and they have no clue that they're walking with the risen Jesus, right? They don't, res- they don't recognize him. Yes, he had the scars in his hands. He had the scar in his side from the spear, but he's different, right? This, he's in this new, miraculous kind of life that's different from the old, and it only comes from God. And, and, and so you see that resurrection is far more than just coming back to, to life, right? It's being raised to a new life, that's different than our old life. Do you see that? that that's, that's the heart. It's the supernatural work of God to new life. That's what resurrection is. And I don't want to go much further than that, because I think if we do, we'll actually go into places that are unhelpful and a little bit more confusing. So we'll just leave that one there for now. If you have more questions, you come find me. Actually, talk to Larry. He'll help you. Uh, right? <laughs> Now, that's the second one. Now, here, here's the third thing I want to I pull out real quick. Uh, this is the main point that Paul wanted everybody to understand. And so please don't miss this. Here's the third truth. Jesus' resurrection is the absolute bedrock of Christian faith. It is the foundation, right? It, it is the better. Like, there is nothing further below that. That is the baseline. That if you don't have that... You don't have Christianity. That's what Paul is saying here. He, he makes two really strong points, right? Verse 16, he says, if, Jesus, ha- if Jesus, has- Jesus hasn't been raised, then none of it's real. But then in verse 20, what does he say? But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. Paul goes, it's true. It's true. If you go back to the beginning of chapter 15, you'll see Paul. He's, he's like, the resurrection happened. Go ask Peter. Go ask the 12. Go. There are over 500 people who have been eyewitnesses to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Yeah, some of them passed away, but most of them, they're still alive. You can go talk to them today. Go ask James. He was there. I mean, I met the resurrected Jesus on the way to Damascus when I was going to arrest and kill Christians. I met him. Faith, this is real. Right? This is what Paul is saying. And so what Paul says right in the front half, if the, if the resurrection of Jesus is not real, then all of this other stuff is not real, and the whole thing falls apart. But in verse 20, he says, but he has been raised. But in fact, he has been raised. So what that means is all those verses that it's like, well, if he isn't, it's not true. It means it is true. <laughs> all of those things before, they are true. So things like this, since Jesus', Jesus resurrection is true, it means that he is God's son, Right? Like that validates that when Jesus said, I am his son, it's true. That actually happened. That actually took place. It also means things like God accepted Jesus' sacrifice on the cross as the ultimate and final payment for sin. There are no more sacrifices to be offered for sin because Jesus completed it. His resurrection confirms that he's it. He's the last one. There's no more that are needed. It mean, here, you know what also means Jesus' resurrection? It means that God kept his promise from the beginning. If, you, if you're familiar with Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve chose to disobey God and live life on their own standards and sin and death entered into the world, Right? God is kind of sharing, hey, this is the consequences. These are curses for living under that lifestyle. And one of the things he says to the serpent, to Adam and to Eve, he says, listen, Eve from you is going to come one who's going to crush the head of the serpent and total and final victory is going to come. God kept his promise all the way from Genesis chapter 3 
through Jesus Christ, right? Jesus' resurrection means that the Bible is true and everything it affirms can be trusted. You know what else it means? It means our faith is real. It means our faith, it's not fake, it's real faith. And it really does something to change our position, to change our lives, all of those things. And it means that there is real life after death. And that is going to be glorious, right? For those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus' resurrection actually props up absolutely everything else in the scripture. And if you don't have the resurrection of Christ, all of it falls apart. That's the point that Paul is making. But praise God that Jesus has been raised, (laughs) which means everything is true and real. Now, I think the next natural question goes, okay, that's, uh, I'm there, I'm with it. Wh- what do I do? What am I supposed to do with this truth? Well, I think there's three things that we can do with this truth. Um, the first is believe. The second is to understand. And the third is to share. Very briefly, I want to walk through those real quick. Believe understand and share. And so the first step is really to believe. You, that Jesus, right, we've shown that Jesus' resurrection is real, right? If you want to know why we can trust the Bible, go back and check week one. Um, but it's truth, right? It legitimately happened. So what do you do with truth? What do you do with truth? Well, you believe it, right? You believe it and you let it shape its, your life, right? You live your life by that truth. Nobody, right, you do that with gravity, right? Nobody goes, I don't believe in gravity, And then you go try to defy it. Guess what? You'll find out really quick your belief doesn't matter. (laughs) Because truth is truth, right? Larry talked about that. Truth is truth and doesn't care how you feel, right? And you can fight against truth, but it doesn't make it less true. And so the same thing is is the case with Jesus' resurrection. Um, So what does that mean to to believe? Well, I think Pastor Tim Keller helps us uh, a lot when he says this, that if Jesus rose from the dead, then you have to accept all that he said, Okay? If he didn't rise from the dead, then why worry about any of what he said, right? And so he, said, he goes on to say this, the issue on which everything hangs is not whether or not you like his teaching, but whether or not he rose from the dead. Do you see? If he rose from the dead, everything he said is true and you, and you have to believe it. But if he didn't rise from the dead, who cares about Jesus? He doesn't matter. He's another guy. But since he rose from the dead, that changes absolutely everything. You know, one of the things that Jesus did say to his followers is he said, believe in me. That's what he told him. He said, believe in me. Now, maybe you're wondering, you go, okay, well, how do I do that? How do, I understand what the word you're saying, but how do I believe in Jesus? Well, I'm going to tell you how you believe in Jesus. Here's how you believe in Jesus. You choose. You do. You choose. You you decide to believe in Jesus, right? A little underwhelming, isn't it? <laughs> right? You're going, well, there's there, there's no pilgrimage to make, right? There's no there's no like works to perform. There's no what what about man? It just it seems like there's not a lot there. Well, the reality is there is a pilgrimage to, to make. And it was already made, a pilgrimage all the way to the cross. And, and there is work to do, and it's already been done. See, you, you, even if you had the opportunity, you couldn't make the pilgrimage. 
Even if you had the chance to do the work, you wouldn't be able to complete the work. You don't have it in you. I don't have it in me, right? All that's already been done and completed by Jesus. And so now you make a choice. And the choice is this. Who will I follow? Myself? The world? Or Jesus? Right? That's the choice. Who will I follow? And if you choose Jesus, this is what that looks like. In Matthew 16, Jesus showed us what it looks like to choose Jesus and to believe in him. He says, actually, let's do this. Let's read this passage uh, out loud together, uh, starting with, then Jesus told his disciples. Are you ready? Go. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. That's what it looks like to choose Jesus. Right there. Now let me unpack that very, very quickly. Denying yourself means setting aside selfish interests. There's no other way to explain that. That's it. You put aside your own selfish desires, your own self-leadership. I'm not in charge anymore. Jesus is. Now, when he says, take up your cross, uh, what that means is it's the willingness to endure whatever may come, even suffering, because sometimes that does come. And then the follow me. Here's what following Jesus means. It means trusting him, allowing the Holy Spirit to shape your character into the person of Jesus and going where Jesus goes, right? That's what it is to follow him. This is what it looks like to believe in Jesus. It's simple. It's actually very, very simple, but it's not easy, right? In fact, you'll need the help of the Holy Spirit to believe, just quite frankly. You'll, you'll need him. That's how that works. But, we, but the first step is to believe. Another step that I think every believer should take is to understand um, here's what I mean by that. It's one thing to be able to like quote another person or to parrot your favorite preacher online or, or wherever it is. You know, it's one thing to be able to do that. It's a whole nother thing to be able to understand our faith in Jesus Christ and his resurrection and what that means. And, and I want to help you do that. So to understand, here's a few things that I think everybody should consider taking steps in. The first one is, it just starts here. You've got you to read your Bible, right? You just got to read it. You got to engage that thing. And, in, and ask questions about stuff that you don't understand, right? I do that all the time. Uh, I'll just I'll make notes, notes in the margin. I write things in my notebook, those kinds of, of things. And, and everything for faith, Everything to know what Jesus wants us to know about him and God is right here in the scriptures. It's here. And if you're a believer, you also now have the Holy Spirit who's helping you to understand truth. That's one of his names, right? He's the spirit of truth. And so he leads us into knowing who Jesus is and who God is more and more. And so read the scriptures. Second thing I would encourage is this, is meet with other Christ followers to talk about your faith. Now, we call that discipleship, and that can look lots of different ways. That can be a small group. That can be a Bible study. That can be one-on-one -on -one with a, uh, another friend. Uh, that can be in dinner, right? You invite somebody over for dinner, and in the process, you talk about faith. You go, hey, I was reading this in the Bible, and uh, I didn't understand this. Do you understand this? And they might go, oh, yeah. Or they'll go, oh, I don't know either. Let's call Larry, right? Like, you know, I mean, there's uh, all kinds of ways to, to go through that. But talk with other Christ followers. You're not getting off the hook today, buddy. Sorry, you are a reoccurring theme. 
Um, right? <laughs> but that's the second thing, get with other Christians. Here's a third thing. I would really encourage some, because you're, you're ready to do this, is um, grab a solid theology book and do a deeper dive into thoughts about God. That's a next step that some of you are really ready to take. Um, and, and you don't replace that. You don't replace Scripture with that. It's an add-on, right? One of the most accessible, accessible, I don't want you to think I said successful, but accessible theology books I think uh, that I've read is a book by Dr. Wayne Grudem um, called Bible Doctrine. Um, it, it's, it's really solid. It's good. Uh, he writes biblically. Um, he will help you understand deeper things of faith. Now, don't interpret that to mean that I agree with everything that he says, okay? That's, that's not the same thing. But, but you don't have to because he's not Jesus, right? He's Dr. Grudem, uh, big difference. Uh, and so, but you can learn from him, though, right? You can learn from that. So learn how to think about your faith and, and explore what some others are saying and how they understand Scripture. Um, I think that will be helpful. So understand your faith. Here's the last thing I would encourage believers in uh, is to share, is to share. When, when you get to the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the very last verse, verse 58, says this. Therefore, right? So Paul has this whole chapter all about Christ's resurrection. What, does, uh, what do our bodies and what does life kind of look like after we die in eternity? All of those things. And then he says, therefore, which is code for everything I said before has everything to do with what I'm about to say. Okay, so he says, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. When you experience the resurrection of Christ for yourself, and you, real, and you see that it's real and it's transforming you, it's natural. The natural outflow is to invite other people into that. Because that's what they're made for, too. And so the work of the Lord is sharing the gospel. The work of the Lord is discipling um, other people. And so, listen, I'm going to say something that is shocking for some people, okay? But stay with me for a second. (laughs) Nobody, and I do mean nobody, nobody cares who the NFL's leading pass rusher was in 1964, (laughs) all right? Nobody cares. But do you know what people do, talk, do care about? They care about meaning. They care about purpose. They care about their family. And they care about life. Do you know why we gravitate toward topics like weather and sports and whatever was happening on Big Brother the night before? I don't even know if that show is still on. But, um, you know, do you know why we do that? partly because we don't know how to start meaningful conversations with other people. We want to talk, but we don't know how to talk about the really important stuff. And then behind that, the the layer below that goes, even if I did, how do I know that I can trust you with sharing some of the questions and some of the struggles and some of the things I'm battling with that you're not going to belittle me, you're not going to abandon me, you're not going to, you know, whatever. So there's like multiple layers in that, and we're, we're, we don't really know how to engage in that, but really, that's what we want to talk about. There are literally tens of thousands of people living in our county and in our region who are desperate for truth, and they're trying so hard to figure it out, 
right? They're, they're trying to figure out, if I can get this formula, how do I get to get a better life? How do I raise good kids? How do I know that my life's not a waste? How do I, right, all of that. And they're trying to figure out the formula to pull the right levers, all those different types of things, and they keep coming up short. More money's not the answer. A new relationship's not the answer, right? A new city, a new home, a big, you know, it, 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 never, it never meets the need. You and I have the opportunity to point people to the real need, the hope that comes with Jesus' resurrection. So what do you do with his resurrection? Well, you believe in it, you understand it, and you share that with others. Uh, just this Monday, the question was this. If you could go back and relive any moment of your life, what moment would you like to go back and relive? And, and I thought about that, and a lot of different moments went. And, and one moment that came up was I remember when I first came to faith, right? And I met Jesus Christ, and he changed, I mean, profoundly changed my life. And, and my assumption was that other people who had not said yes to Jesus yet had not said yes for the same reason I had not said yes. And my reason was I just didn't know. Literally, no one had ever told me about who Jesus was. No one had ever told me about what he does and how he transforms life. I didn't know. So I assumed that was the case for everybody else. So I remember going home, and I told my dad what happened to me and how I met Jesus, and Jesus changed my life. And I told my dad that he could put his faith in Jesus too, and his life would be different. You want to know what my dad's response was? The PG-13 rated version was, no thanks, <laughs> right? No thanks. I've heard that before. No thank you. And that blew my mind. And for the next 10 years, I tried to serve my dad with the gospel. I prayed for him. I recruited other people to pray for him. Um, I tried to talk with him. I, I did all of those things, and for 10 years, no interest. And I remember just wanting to get up, give up. Um, I remember one conversation. I don't know, Christina, if you'll remember this. I remember telling her, my dad will never come to faith. You remember us? Having, yeah. I remember saying that. My dad's never going to come to faith. Now, I'm not going to go into the whole story because it's, it's pretty long, um, and I already got up here late. Uh, but on December 14th, 2007, my dad said yes to Jesus Christ. The resurrection of Christ got inside of him, and it changed his life. I mean, like this. It was wild. It was amazing. It was incredible, right? Now, here's the cool thing. Today, my dad is enjoying his total and complete resurrection standing in the presence of Jesus, right? He is cancer-free. He will never deal with the effects of sin, right? None. He got to hear the words every follower of Jesus longs to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into your master's joy. And he gets to experience that today, every day, right? That's what the resurrection of Christ will do to a person. Now, let me talk just very, very briefly to the Christians. Who in your life still needs to experience 
the resurrection of Jesus Christ for themselves. Pray for them. Talk with them. Keep, keep pointing them to Christ, right? And, and maybe for some of you, you're at the point where you're like, I've been doing that. And, and I'm like you, they're never gonna come to faith. I'm ready to give up. Can I encourage you with what Paul said? Don't give up. That's what verse 58 is. Don't give up. He says, don't you realize that your labor in the Lord is never in vain? God's always working. You might not see it. You might not understand it, but he's working, right? Don't give up. Now, to those who are here, join us online, and you haven't said yes to Jesus yet. Listen, the only way to experience real life, real life, like new life in Christ, is through faith in Christ. There's no other way. And I wonder if today is the day that you're going to say yes. Is today the day that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is going to make its way into you, and it's going to transform your life? You, you have to choose who you're going to follow. I cannot choose it for you. I wish I could, because if I could, I would make the same choice for every single person, but I can't do that. You have to choose for yourself. But when you do choose Jesus, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's wonderful, and, and it changes everything about you, and it's incredible. But if you're ready to take that step and find out, we would love to help you here at Lighthouse Community walk that out. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the single greatest event in history. And it's a gift for you to receive. I want to invite you to bow your heads and to close your eyes. And I want you to take a moment and ask this question to Jesus. Jesus, what are you saying to me right now? And I want to give you an opportunity to listen what he's saying. And if you sense the Holy Spirit speaking to you and he's inviting you to put your faith in Jesus, let me encourage you, make that choice literally in your seat, wherever you're joining us from, you can make that decision, that choice right now because the Holy Spirit's inviting you. Let me encourage you to do that. And to help you with that, um, we, we love praying for one another here at Lighthouse Community. And so here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna sing one more song. Uh, the band's gonna lead us in that. And during this last song, we're gonna have prayer leaders who are gonna be available in every corner of the room. We've got some of them are already there right now. We'll have one up here by the cross, one over here on the left. Um, but if you wanna pray about any area of your life, we wanna invite you to do that. Um, you're, during that final song, you'll, we'll all stand and you can go to one of the corners um, to pray. And every one of us needs prayer, right? You don't have to be a member of Lighthouse to receive prayer. Right, retired student doesn't matter. Um, every one of us needs prayer, so I'm going to pray for you. And if you'd like to receive prayer, I'm going to invite you to come as well. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would draw every single person who needs prayer right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us. 
If you'd like to learn more about Lighthouse Community, check out our website at mylighthousecommunity.com or connect with us on Facebook. You're invited to join us live Sunday mornings at 909 or 1111. Thanks again for listening to the Lighthouse Community Podcast.